and welcome up Luke. Misconception. Misconception. Look in it. Look in it. Misconception. I'll leave your brain stimulated. actually dance for you guys. I look like I was going to. Uh, Nick, I just talked to my parents as well. They didn't know what Netflix and chill meant. So, but I'm not surprised at that. You, I'm a little bit surprised you didn't know what that meant. Um, hey guys, welcome back to The Block, uh, Casey. We are uh, in the middle of a series right now on misconceptions. As you see, shout out Dimitri. Shout out everyone tonight. Uh, Dimitri made that video. That's, that's awesome, man. Um, so, hey, if you are, uh, if you're new with us tonight, we're so Happy that you came. Uh, in our misconception series, last week Nick told us about how the misconception, it, it's so widely believed that the Bible isn't relevant, that the Bible is, is a historical book. And actually, he took us to this place uh, and he showed us that the Bible actually holds foundational truths that, that, that span over the course of history that God has showed us. And actually, there's really good examples and there's really bad examples from the Bible uh, of how we ought to lead and live our life in the sight of God and we can actually experience in him uh, him deeper through knowing the word. So, uh, my, like he said, my name's Luke Hoagland. Uh, I do uh, mortgage lending for a living. Everyone say mortgage. Mortgage. Yeah, uh, it's, yeah, it sounds super boring. I thought it was going to be really boring when I got into it too. Uh, mortgages, many of you haven't bought a house yet. Mortgages are the not fun side of buying a house. So essentially you get this cool house, you know, open floor plan, maybe a pool in the backyard. And then, hey, you don't have enough money to pay for it, so you pay my company, unfortunately not me, my company, over 30 years, you know, 30 years of your life, you make payments to them, you know, sounds awful, why are you doing this for a living, Luke? Uh, it is awesome, I love it, it's amazing. I, let me tell you how I spend my days. I wake up at hmm, 8 a.m., 9 a.m., I drink some coffee, I don't even go to work, I go play golf. I go to the golf course with my friends, I go to a coffee shop, that is what I do for a living. So I can, uh, I can convince all of you to be a mortgage lender uh, by the end of the night, but we're not going that way uh, this evening. But 2022 is an uh, extremely exciting year. The block is going weekly. I mean, that's, that's pretty cool, right? Like, that's cool. Yep, some claps. What's even cooler, let me hear it. My Kansas Jayhawks won the national championship. There it is. We got some. We got, oh, yeah, there we go. Like, that's awesome. We actually did a bracket challenge uh, here at the block. Uh, did anyone do that bracket challenge uh, back in March with us? Some hands, not some very proud hands. Reason being, uh, is, is username Sam Dunk in the room? Make a little noise if you're here. You're Sam Dunk? No way. Uh, me and Sam Dunk, I'm Hoagie 20, that's Sam Dunk. We split the championship. Uh, we both picked KU to win it all. <laughs> did you even realize that you won? Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. I was following everything to a T. Uh, what's really exciting about 2022, though, um, is back in January, January 15th, I got to marry the love of my life, the beautiful, we're pointing at her, Bailey Boleen. We got married January 15th. She's now Bailey Hoagland. She did take my last name. Uh, here's a few pictures of our day. Uh, it's right here. So I was, uh, let's see, I was a little... Um, I had some chills for a lot of different reasons on that day, as you can see. It was really, really cold, um, and it was such a happy day. Here's, here's some proof that we did actually get married. We're walking back down the other aisle. That's how you, uh, down the aisle. That's how you know. Um, and it was, 
truly one of the best days of my life, always will be. That's what I'll always remember 2022 for. And marriage, marriage is awesome. Like, uh, I'm not just saying that because she's in the room. Marriage is amazing. And, and I've loved so many things about it, right? Like, you go through the highs and the lows together. The, the bad days of work, you have each other there to comfort one another and be there for one another. You know, one, thing's that, one of the things that's true about marriage is you also really, really get to know that person, right? <laughs> and they might do some, some weird things, right? One, one little thing Bailey does. <laughs> one little thing Bailey does is she... I've run this fire. She deveins raw chicken. Anyone? Does anyone devein their chicken when they cook chicken? Zero hands, I told you. Yeah. No, uh, uh, she's, she's ashamed to raise her hand. She doesn't even want to devein raw chicken. It's such a weird thing. Like, I always take my chicken, put it in the oven, put it on the grill. Voila, it's done. Tastes like chicken. That's all I need. Bailey goes over here, takes out the cutting board, and she cuts off meticulously every little, little piece of, of fat, every vein. And by the end of it, this chicken's like this. You know, it's like, that doesn't look like a raw chicken anymore. And there's juices everywhere, you know. It's a little weird. I wouldn't do it that way, you know. <laughs> Shaking her head at me. Sorry, Bailey. Uh, one of the great things about marriage, though, too, is you, you get to know the other person so well. Like, you even get to know their guilty pleasures, Right? Like maybe the thing they wouldn't advertise about their self, you know, I don't know, that's probably not a guilty pleasure of yours, just the way you do it. But something that they wouldn't tell someone else that they do, but they love it. Like take, for example, like eating Asian stir fry with blueberry muffins. That doesn't go together. Yep, we got like a what? <laughs> well, that doesn't make sense. Bailey loves that. We haven't done it yet. I'm not convinced that she likes it. We'll stop making fun of Bailey, though. Make fun of me. This one, some of my guilty pleasures, this isn't even making fun of me. You guys are going to love me after this. I love Justin Timberlake, right? Does anyone love Justin Timberlake? Like, Justin Timberlake is, he's the next big icon since Michael Jackson. He's, he's amazing. He can dance, he can sing, he's got that falsetto voice. You know, he sounds so good and he can, he can act. He's friends with Jimmy Fallon. You know, I wrote, I wrote a role model paper on Justin Timberlake in, in high school. You know, like, like that's me. I love JT. I might even look like him a little bit up here tonight. That's because I love JT. Um, one of my other ones is Usher. Usher Raymond. Any 2000s R&B music fans, like, love Usher. Oh, man. KU fans, Usher fans, we're killing it. Um, so Usher actually is the reason that Justin Bieber is a thing. You guys have all, you all have Usher to thank for that. He found Justin Bieber, put him on the map. We all love Usher. Now, now we all agree Usher is great. Uh, one of my other uh, guilty pleasures is I love plain tortilla chips. I don't need any queso. I don't need any guac. I don't need any salsa. And you definitely should not give me Tostitos hint of lime. Like, well, that's not, like, that's ch some chalky stuff. Give me some great value, you know, crispy rounds. Sit me on the couch, and I'm good for a few hours. Love me some tortilla chips. You know, Probably the, probably the uh, guilty pleasure I don't tell people about most, and Bailey, I don't think, knew this about me either, uh, so it's really a guilty pleasure. Uh, I love conspiracy theories. Oh. <laughs> Any other theorists in the room? Oh, we got someone rubbing their hands together like it's about to get good. I love conspiracy theories. I've YouTubed all of them at some point in my life. Um, one of the popular ones right now is birds aren't real. You guys know this one? Yeah, it's a brand. For one, they make goofy t-shirts, but really the idea of this theory is uh, when a bird is looking in your kitchen window, that's not a bird. It's actually a government drone manned by an FBI agent who's spying on you. I mean, that's just like silly. That's stupid. Everyone just laughs about it. You know, it's truly not a real conspiracy theory. If you actually believe that, 
go kill a bird and check its guts. They're in there, I promise you. <laughs> I know we're getting weird here tonight. One of my favorite conspiracy theories is the Illuminati. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, the Illuminati is one of the craziest conspiracy theories. I've looked into this really a lot, and more than I probably should. Uh, and you're like, we're gonna talk about the Illuminati tonight? If you know what it is, yeah, we're gonna talk about it for a little bit. So the Illuminati, the idea, if you don't know about it, is all of the most wealthy, you know, most influential people on the planet, they're all meeting behind closed doors, you know, even with the assistance of evil spirits, you know, and, and they're planning a new world order, right? You got like all these celebrities that are in it. You know, the president of France runs it, if you didn't know this. That's what YouTube said. Uh, LeBron is in it, even. You know, uh, Rihanna's baby is the Messiah of this thing. That's what it says on YouTube. This is crazy. This is crazy stuff. Eminem. So, the Illuminati. I was in college uh, at K-State back in 2012. Yep, I'm old. 2012. And I lived with a guy named Jonah Jacobson. He got married last weekend. Super exciting. But we had some other guilty pleasures. We listened to Kid Cudi, we listened to Childish Gambino, we listened to Kanye West. They all rap about the Illuminati in their music. So finally we're like, we gotta figure out what this thing is. So one night, 2 a.m. rolls around and we take to YouTube. Like, like we, we do a YouTube dive, we watch videos for probably an hour. Some of the craziest things I've ever seen, craziest claims. And we get up this one video, and, the, and this is the craziest one, it was Illuminati and show business. So we click on this video, and we're learning things like the Simpsons are basically running the Illuminati, right? I don't know if you guys have seen things about the Simpsons. They've predicted horrible terrorist attacks before they've happened. They've done all these weird, like they, they predicted Trump was going to be president. And they've got like a picture by picture, like, you know, representation of him being president. And that happened like 10 years later. It's like, oh, the Illuminati, like, is run by the Simpsons? You know, it's crazy stuff. And our, all of our beloved films, like, um, like Top Gun, you know, there's, it goes back to Top Gun and it zooms in, like the all-seeing eye on the back of the $1 bill, like that's the Illuminati's fingerprint. So Top Gun, they like zoom in on an all-seeing eye, like back in a billboard somewhere. And you're like, oh my gosh, the Illuminati made this video. It made this movie. You know, it's like some crazy things are happening. And then the crazy part happened. Nine minutes in, we're, it's dark in our room. I'm top bunk, Jonah's bottom bunk. Nine minutes in, and the TV just shuts off all by itself. <laughs> yeah, TV shuts off. We sit there in silence, in darkness. And then the, the TV flips back on. We're watching on the Xbox. The Xbox is still on, and, and it says error 416. What was that? And then the TV shuts back off, and the Xbox shuts off. And we're sitting there in complete darkness. And Jonah, Jonah's on the bottom bunk, you know, laying down. I don't know what he's doing. And he gets up, he goes, dude, oh my gosh, what just happened? Like, what is happening right now? Like, we have no idea what is going on. Like, did we just figure out too much about the Illuminati? Like, what just, what just happened? We, we're starting to become believers in this thing. Like, I think that this is a real thing. And, and then we come to our senses a little. I mean, we're, I mean we're, we're, we're going crazy right now. Like, we're crying. I mean, you guys know that, like, those tears that aren't, like, they're not sad tears, they're not funny tears, but they're, like, scared tears. Like, we, we got some of those coming out. And finally, we come to our senses, you know, like, we're in Manhattan, Kansas. It's like, no one's going to, no one's watching us, right? Like, we live in campus, we have campus Wi-Fi. This thing cuts out twice every 30 minutes habitually, right? Like, this is the reasoning. We finally come back to our senses, and we realize that it was the Wi-Fi. Dude, but what if the Illuminati caught it that time? Cut it that, no, that's okay. The Illuminati didn't do it. So, you know, we, we move on, we start talking about it for a couple hours, and, and finally, we, we give it up, we go to bed. But 
why do we love conspiracy theories so much? Why do I love conspiracy theories? There weren't a ton of hands. We got a few. Why do I love them? There's a huge what if factor. You know, there's a massive, like, there's so much speculation that can be had. And the reason being is the con- amount of conclusive evidence is non-existent. Right? There's, there's, there's no evidence. Like, we, we have videos of Bigfoot, but they're taken with a potato. Like, it's not good footage. We don't really know that he's real. Tonight we're going to talk about an issue that unfortunately gets treated like a conspiracy theory. You know, people say, hey, there's no way you could possibly know. There's no evidence to support anybody's claims. This misconception that we're going to talk about, what most people have been getting wrong for thousands and thousands of years in treating like a conspiracy theory is by agreeing and believing the saying, the good people go to heaven. Good people go to heaven. Like, what a crazy claim, right? Like, this is bigger than all those conspiracy theories. You know, they just have some, like, you know, some bearing on this life. Good people go to heaven has bearing not only in this life, but also in the life to come. It's saying there's a type of person that goes to heaven. I mean, what what a massive claim. You know, I don't have to convince you that this is even widely believed, right? Like, every world religion, you know, has some sort of idea that you can be good in some way and some sort of idea of heaven, you know, pop culture says this all the time. They say, man, you just got to have faith. Hey, just have faith, girl. Like, you'll be all right. You just got to be good. You know, it's, it's in every single movie. All sorts of, we're saying this in a million different ways. The good people go to heaven. Even still, if you're not convinced, there was a Pew Research study. Yes, Pew, like a church Pew. They, they study Americans every five years. And this is what they found in 2015. It was uh, over 70% of all Americans believe that there are many ways to heaven. And 60% of all Christians believe that there are many ways to heaven. So many people believe that there is a general way to get to heaven. Yeah, tonight, I don't know what we all believe uh, in, in this room, but there's some sort of pull to agreeing with this statement that good people go to heaven, right? Like, I don't know if you feel that. You know, it's, it sounds fair, right? It's like, do we really want to argue and spend our lives, like, debating that, like, no, like, there is a way to heaven when someone else doesn't think that, that that's true? You know, there's so many world religions that believe, you know, this way to heaven or that way to heaven. And people say, hey, all religions lead to the same destination. I mean, if, if you say that, if you believe that, you've never studied even one of the world religions. It's naive. They all say something different. Tonight, we're, we're going to take a look the scriptures in the Bible, the story of the one true God. It was, it was passed down from when he created the heavens and the earth, and he actually created the first man. And he created the cosmos and the stars. I want to walk us through a few points that help us unravel the saying and belief that good people go to heaven, but not leave us there. Rather, I'm going to take us in the direction, the one true God, Jesus Christ, who came from heaven. He was, he was miraculously born to a virgin woman. That's never happened before. Just him. And, he, and he, was, he lived a perfect life, completely faultless, sinless, blameless before God. That's never happened before. He stands alone. And he was undeservedly murdered and sacrificed himself to save us and to make a way for us to heaven. Let me, let me pray for us. God, I, I thank you for just the opportunity to uh, just, just consider your truth tonight. And, and I pray for all the people in the room. God, we all are at different spots. And, and I just want to pray that. Um, if we have anything in our hearts right now, God, that's, uh, that's not wanting to consider these options, not wanting to consider truth, this is such an important issue. And God, and God, I pray that you're working, and we know that you are working on our hearts. God, you see into our hearts. 
God, so I, I pray that you would speak through me tonight mightily, that your truth would be what goes forth and, and not my opinion. Pray all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, good people go to heaven. I want to I start by talking about uh, the idea of heaven, right? Like if we're going to talk about this, let's, let's do it. And so uh, let's talk about heaven first. I'm going to put a little chart up here. Um, heaven is not you get your own cloud and you get your own harp and forever you get to play, you know, music up there uh, and everyone's got their own clouds. It's some sort of like bliss. That's not what heaven is. What heaven is, it's actually a place where there is perfection and face-to-face relationship with God. There's no sin. There's no disease. There's no miscarriages. You know, there's no wrongdoing. There's no hate. There's no evil. Every tear gets wiped away and every person who gets to heaven gets made perfect by God himself. Heaven is the forever destination and reward for those who are innocent before God. In hell, hell gets talked about all the time too, right? Like hell gets talked about more than heaven. Hell is this place, right, where you can like, you're, you're just going to be an eternal party. You know, everyone's going to have sex. Everyone's going to go crazy for the rest of their life. And, and we talk about like how we're going to have uh, control of our bodies and our minds. And it's going to be, we can do whatever we want. That's not, that's, not the way, that's not what hell is. That's not what the Bible says hell is. It's actually complete separation from God's goodness and God's favor. An eternal destination for souls to experience torment and wrath and pain because they didn't rightly acknowledge God for who he truly is. Hell is a forever destination and punishment for those guilty before God. Now, okay, let's move on. Let's, let's, let's talk about good people, right? Let's talk about good people. What does it mean to be a good person? How does a good person go to heaven? These words, good people, are the qualifying part of this statement, right? Like it says, there's the type of person who is good, so it leaves room for all of the other types of people. You know, there could be someone who's like, they're good, but not good enough. Or that person's like, hey, he's definitely not a good person. Or someone who's really bad. You know, it's like it's leaving room for all of these types of people who don't fit this category. You know, what, is it, what does it mean to be good, right? Yeah, how does a person actually be qualified as good enough for heaven? You might see where we're going with this, right? Man, my coworker, we say this all the time. Man, my coworker is such a good person, right? Or the, the owner of that Chick-fil-A, what a good guy. Like, he's got it all together, right? Chick-fil-A owners, respect. You know, or maybe, maybe you say, you, furthermore, you say, like, wow, what a good family. What good churchgoers. You know, like, they, that family's got it all together. You can count on them being there every single week, and their kids sit still. Oh, my gosh. You may or may not remember the last time you said something like this, or someone you know said something like this, but we say these things about people that we hardly even know. Right, take your coworker for example, like you work with them eight hours a day, you maybe work from home, never even seen them, I don't know, but you, we say, man, I really like that coworker, like they're a good person. Right, they always respond to your emails and texts in a timely fashion, you know, they're gentle, you know, they like, they like you, they even kind of become your little buddy at work, and, and what happens is you guys even complain about the same things, and you guys agree on the same things. You know, they're a good person, right, my coworker? Like because I agree with them, like I'm good, so they must be good too, right? They're going to heaven. I'm going to heaven. I take Randall, for example. If there's any Randalls in the room, I'm sorry. I chose it because of Monsters, Inc. But take Randall. Randall. Randall, Randall. We don't like Randall. Randall's iffy, if you ask me. Randall's got some weird political beliefs, right? He does, I don't agree with him on some stuff. You know, maybe Randall, he like, you, uh, you ask an honest question at work, and he says, per our written procedures, like, and you're like, dude, just talk to me. Like, be a person. You know, maybe Randall has some friends you don't even like. You don't even like those people. Meanwhile, you don't, you don't know Randall. You know, maybe Randall, you know, he's got some political beliefs that you've seen on Facebook, but if you talk to him, you guys agree on basically everything. 
He just posted something. You know, maybe Randall's been told by his manager to respond this way anytime anyone asks a question to keep people on the same page. Maybe Randall hangs out with these people because he sees that they need somebody. They need some love. It's pretty obvious. We could go on all day on something like this, but when we start to consider these things, we really realize that our ideas of good are all relative. They're all different. He thinks guns are bad. You think guns are good. She thinks lying under any circumstance is bad. You say, hey, it's okay because we're family. We got each other's back always. I mean, he thinks getting high and her drunk is bad. You say it's fine because it's spending time with my friends. We got a huge issue here. I mean, if we can't know everything about every person and we know we have bias and favoritism in the way that we judge other people, is there any way, is there anything that can help us figure out exactly who it is or what type of person gets to heaven? And this, this leads me to point one, truth one tonight. You know, now before I give it, I want to call back to that stirring inside that you say, hey, like, I want to believe that good people go to heaven. I, I think, you know, in general, we all are like, yeah, that sounds right. You know, if I live in a good way before God and he said I should live this way, you know, and, and I never break that law, you know, like, I'm good. I should get that reward, right? That stirring on your heart. I'll tell you something. It, it's right. Like, you're right. Point one tonight. Good people do go to heaven. I mean, crazy, right? Why are we just sitting there? Like, this is good news. Like, this is crazy. Like, all you have to do is be good. And all the world religions out there, all the different types of people, people who haven't even chosen a religion, all you have to do is be good. Christians, Muslims, conspiracy theorists, Hindus, Jews, agnostics, atheists, any cult members out there, have you heard the good news? All you have to do is be good to get into heaven. Now, you might think I'm kidding. Look at the scripture here. Romans 2, 6 through 11. This is what it says. It says, he, God, will render or give to each one according to his works. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life or heaven. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury and hell. It goes on. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil to the Jew first and also to the Greek. That's just a way to say all people but glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also to the Greek. For God shows no partiality. God ain't playing favorites, guys. Even in Jeremiah, a prophet, he was a prophet around 600 B.C. This is back when the Greeks were inventing gods and they were constructing temples for them. This is what the one true God said through, through Jeremiah. He says, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. I mean, this is more good news, right? This means that no one can fake it. God knows who's faking. He, lo- he sees your heart. He sees your mind. He knows, hey, you did something good over here, but you had evil intentions. Like you took out someone to get that done that looked good. God sees everything, and he knows who actually has a good heart and mind. If God, God doesn't leave us there, right? You know, God doesn't leave us like, like those conspiracy theories do to try to figure out, like, what is good? Like, like, like what, what are the things that are good? I've got to go out there and sense it, right? No, here it is. He's got, oh, there we go. Uh, he's got this t-shirt verse for you, right? Micah 6, 8. He's told you, oh man, what is good? What does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? Now, there's two things to draw out here. Number one, God is fair. God is completely fair, right? Like, he's worthy of being trusted. I mean, look at this. 
he will judge and reward all people by the same standards. If you genuinely do what is good, he will reward you. And if you do what is evil, you will be punished. And number two, God is fair. Number two, God is trustworthy. You know, he's worthy of being trusted because the terms of his judgment never change. They don't change uh, from culture to culture that, that disagrees on what's good. They don't change from era to era when people and technology enter the world. They don't change. They, in fact, his truth, his standards, they outlast cultures and societies and eras. So that anyone who's lived at any time gets the same fair treatment by God. You know, this point honestly gives me some motivation to talk about God. Hopefully we're like, I can talk about God with uh, someone who maybe is far from God. And, and, it, and it brings me to this place of like, we're all in the same playing field, right? Like just because I'm a Christian and grew up in America and all this stuff, like, like I'm not any better off. My parents are Christians. It, it doesn't make me any better off. We're all on the same playing field. And I think it's vital at this point. It's important to realize something that there's nothing wrong with God. Like, he hasn't set up this system that's unfair, right? Like, good get good, bad get bad. That sounds pretty on par. And he hasn't been mysterious in a way like these conspiracy theories that leave us hanging. You know, they're scratching our heads, sounding crazy up here. I know that's what you're thinking about me. Anyone in here own a car? Raise your hands up. Oh, we got a no. We got a lot of yeses. Okay. Keep your hands up. All right. Anyone in here have car insurance? Oh, hand went down over there. Oh, my. All right, all right, officers, you, you saw them. Guys, it's illegal to drive without car insurance in the states of Kansas and Missouri, so I'm, I'm kidding. There's no officers in here. Don't worry about it. I'm playing, all right? So those of you with cars and cars insurance, you know those driving apps that are new? Yeah, those driving apps, you know, they sound like a great idea. You download this app to your phone. Mine's called IntelliDrive. Uh, you download it to your phone, and it tracks you for 90 days. It watches you. You know how iPhones can like sense jostling and stuff. They know if you're like off-roading when you shouldn't be. You know, it, it, and it checks if you're looking at your phone while you're driving. It checks your speed because it tracks your location. It knows if you're going too fast. And so how and so how these uh, apps work is for 90 days, you can check the app, but it, it tracks all of your your data. And after 90 days, if you're a good driver, you get a discount on your car insurance. Good stuff. If you're a bad driver, your insurance can actually go up. So the thing about driving is everyone thinks they're a good driver, right? Like there's some of you in here that your friends for years have been telling you, man, you're a horrible driver. Like, and, and you're, the exce you're the exception here. But for, for the most part, we all think we're great drivers. So I, <laughs> I, I'm a good driver. I've never, I've gotten one ticket in my life. I was driving 42 on a 35 at 3 a.m. Like, come on. And, and I've, I've only been in one accident in my life, and it was the other person's fault. Right, like I'm a good driver, I get, so I get this app, you know, and I download it, and I kind of just forget about it, right? It's on my phone, it can track me, I'm a good driver, I don't need to worry about it. Fifteen days in, I get an email from my insurance agent. He can see my activity too. He says, Luke, you have to watch your distractions. He says, you got to watch your speed, man. So I, I pull up the app, and I'm sitting in, in the red warning category, and there's like good over here. I'm in red warning category. Like, what the heck? This driving app has no idea who I am and how good of a driver I am. You know, 30 days later, I get another email from my insurance agent, and this is what he says. He says, Luke, delete the app. Get rid of it. If you continue through the 90 days and it gets, it gets your 90-day record, your insurance is actually going to go up. So happily, you know, I take out my phone, delete the app, never think about it again. You know, it's like... Finally, I don't have to deal with this thing telling me I'm a bad driver. 
And what I came to find is that I was way more interested in driving the way that I want to than I was being a good driver. Like, I, like I want to go a little bit fast every time, right? Like, like I want to step on the accelerator. My car has a turbo in it. Like, I want to use the turbo. I'm not going to let it just sit there. You know, if someone texts me, I'm not going to not look at it. Like, people need to talk to me sometimes. I, like, I need to, maybe I'll even send a little texty text back. I don't know. <laughs> like, I've got free will. It's a free country. I want to drive the way that I want to. And this is how it works with God, guys. You know, on, on, in contrast to the driving app and being in the driving app's world for 90 days, we're in God's world in his creation. And, and so much more is at stake than saving 15% or more on your car insurance with Geico. There is so much more at stake. Actually, the eternal final destination of our soul after our bodies die and stop working. This leads me to truth number two tonight. It really, and, and this is where we get back to our misconception series, right? And, and truth number two is that no one is good by God's standard. No one is good by God's standards. And this right here is where we have misconceived. You know, most everyone thinks they're good enough, right? Like, is anyone self-condemning in here and they're going to be like, hey, y'all can go to heaven, but I'm not good enough, right? Like, people don't say that. People don't say that. I mean, come on, God loves me, right? Like, God loves me. He's not going to tell me that I'm not good. Man, that's, that is where we are so, so wrong. There's so many places in the Bible that say this. Like, God has clearly communicated to us over the years. Look at the scripture. Romans 3, 9 through 12, it says, what then? Are we Jews any better off? This, we could be saying, are we Christians any better off? He says, no, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, which is everybody, Another way to say everybody are all under sin, as it is written. It was written long ago, and he's bringing it back up again now. None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Whew. Man. You know, God, God hasn't intended that anyone should think that they are good. If you think you're good, God has never intended that you should think that. Rather, we, we have the tendency among ourselves to think, I'm better off because I am a Christian. I'm better off because there's a church on every corner around me. I'm better off because my parents are Christians. My grand and their parents were Christians. We have this tendency among us, but it says that all have turned aside. Here's another verse. We talked about Solomon last week. Ecclesiastes 7.20. Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived. This is what he said. Surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. You know, even, even Jesus said it here in, in Luke 16, 15. He says, you are those who justify yourselves before men. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. The things that we praise amongst each other, that we say, oh, you're good. See, like, you are good, actually. God says that's an abomination. None of the things that you can do can make you good. You know, what is important that we understand here, Right? that our definitions of good are just extremely different from God's definition of good. It's not even close, right? You know, we have to check our standards. We have to realize that they're our standards and not God's. We, we may even need to check our family's standards. We may need to check our friend group's standards, right? You know, your family might be okay with lying to one another, 
but it's okay, we're family. Your friend group might talk about the opposite sex in a way, you know, that's lustful and imaginatory, but it's okay, we're just, we're just dudes. You know, God, God is also very clear what the result of sin is, right? What, like, what have we earned for not being good? What, what are missing the mark of God's standard is? What resulted from this sinful condition is what the Bible calls a spiritual death. It's a broken relationship between mankind and God. Look at the scripture here, Isaiah, 50, nope, here we go. Isaiah 59, one through two, it says, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save or his ear dull that it cannot hear, but your sins, your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not see you. God hasn't backed away or changed. Look at this verse, he hasn't gone anywhere. His hand's not shortened. Rather, God, God is here. He's remaining true. He's remaining the same. And, and we, we're over here and, and, and we sin. And we go this way. And we go this way. And God's looking at us like, hey, like I, can, I can still save you. But we go away from him and sin. In fact, from the very, very beginning of, of all uh, history, of all, of all creation, uh, God, what he did is he made Adam. And he was very clear before anyone sinned what the result of sin was. Look at this verse, Genesis 2, 17. And God said to Adam, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. This is before he ate of it. This is before Adam and Eve ate. Both death from a physical sense entered the world, but also spiritual death, spiritual separation from God entered the world at this time that we just talked about. But we have to get honest about our sins, right? You know, we, we've seen that God fairly judges. He sees our hidden thoughts and motives, right? He sees into our hearts. We can't fake being good. God sees right through you. And we can't escape judgment. All will be judged and treated without partiality or favoritism. And we have to realize that there's no way that we can start doing enough good to get back right with God, right? I mean, just like, just like you can't go murder someone tonight, and then, and then when we catch you, you say, hey, but look at all the other times that I didn't murder somebody. Like, yeah, that's, that's silly. And you can't come and take this really nice baby grand piano back here. I know you're looking at it. You take it, you know, you run away with it, you go practice piano, but we find you. We find you and we say, hey, you took our piano. You say, hey, look at all the other times I didn't take pianos. Oh, but I just cheated on my girlfriend once. Look at all the other times I didn't cheat on someone. I was just cheating on my test that time. Look at all the other times I didn't cheat on tests. But I just lied on my time card that time. I don't always lie on my time card. You know, that's not how being guilty or not guilty works, right? There's no gray area here. It's black and white. If you murder someone, you're guilty of murder, you're a murderer. If I lie, I am guilty of lying, I'm a liar. And it permanently stays on your record. God, God doesn't forget. You don't get into heaven because you sinned 49 years ago, and 49 years passed, and God was like, oh, I, I don't remember anything. Let me give you an example from a Bible. I mean, this is truly one of the clearest examples in all of Scripture, that the way to get into heaven isn't by obeying everything and meeting God's standards. So if you want to follow along, uh, we're gonna, it's in Luke chapter 23. There's a man who spent literally his entire life running away from God. When he sinned, he was a murderer, he was a thief. We, we know that he was just literally doing anything he could 
and anything he was doing was not meeting God's standards. So, th- so this is when Jesus was being crucified, you know, uh, unrightly being crucified, and they, they're taking him and two other criminals out to this place called the Skull. You know, so- nothing's good, nothing good's about to happen over here at the Skull. And uh, so they walk him out, and they put him up on their crosses. You know, and this is, this is how Jesus is, is right in the middle. You know, and there, there's a criminal over here, and there's a criminal over here. Jesus is right in the middle of them. And there's people down on the ground looking up at them, and they're like, hey, you're king of the Jews? Like you said, you're the savior of all mankind, right? Like you're the chosen one. You're the righteous one. You said you can save us. Why don't you save yourself, Jesus? And we got, we got a criminal over here who's like, you know, he's probably like hearing what they're saying. You know, he's like, wait, what are they saying? Like you can save us from this? Like get us down off of these crosses and save us. And I love this. There's, there's a criminal on, on this side. You know, he, he kind of looks past Jesus. He looks over at the other criminal and he says, dude, He says, do you not fear God? He says, you and I, us criminals, like we have gotten what we rightly deserve. Like we have sinned, we deserve this death. But he, he, Jesus, he's an innocent man. He doesn't deserve this. And then he looks at Jesus. He gets done rebuking the other criminal. He looks at Jesus and he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. I love what Jesus says here. It's just, it's full of grace. Jesus, Jesus looks back to him and he says, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, this is crazy, right? Like Jesus, Jesus is here in the middle. He's perfection. He, is, he has never sinned. This is the perfection, the perfect righteousness of God, God himself hanging on the cross. And, and here's this criminal who's, who's over here. He's like, he's, I know I'm guilty, right? He's like, I say I'm guilty. I deserve this death. And he's got the audacity and the gusto to look at Jesus and say, hey, will you take me into your kingdom today? Will you bring me to paradise with you? I mean, you probably heard what Jesus said and you're like, that can't be right. Or you should think, you're thinking he should respond a different way. Like Jesus is like, now? Like now, here at your final moments, like your last breaths. You think I'm going to overlook everything you've done in your life, all of the evil, all the ways you've made a mess of this stuff. All of the murder, all of everything. This man could do nothing for God. And Jesus said, today, despite everything you've done, all the mess, all the ignoring of me, today you will be with me in paradise. You know, and it's because it's not by doing good or being good that you can go to heaven and not be guilty before God. But it's only by accepting the grace of God. It's by the acknowledgement that I'm guilty and there's nothing I can do at this point but beg. It's through the innocent sacrifice of Jesus on that cross that he has the power to pay for the debt that you've built up because of your sins. That only Jesus can pay that debt and by putting your faith and trust in him that he's the only way to heaven. So point one. Good people do go to heaven. God is perfectly fair and trustworthy. Point two, there is no one who is good by God's standards. No, not one. We've all fallen short. We all are guilty. And point three tonight. Truth number three tonight, just like the criminal next to Jesus on the cross, forgiven people go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. 
you know, forgiveness. And forgiveness not just as a buzzword, right? Like you can't, you can't name it and claim it. You can't name it and claim forgiveness. Put it in your pocket and go live your life the rest of the, the ways you've been living your life in sin and in debt before God. No, when forgiveness happens, just like in any relationship, like, like say you and a friend, like you need to forgive each other. There's restored relationship when you forgive each other. That's exactly how it works with God. There was this relationship. There was something between you. And God will forgive you and he'll let you come back and be in relationship, right relationship with him. And we can receive this forgiveness by faith. Oh, there's buzzword number two. Not faith, you know, like what is faith? Like everyone in the world has faith, faith in something. Every religion has faith, faith in something. You know, Jesus, when he was looking at the criminal on the cross, he wasn't looking for him to say the F word of faith and be like, oh, he said faith. Like, you're good. Yeah, you can come to paradise with me. No, there is only one type of faith that saves you. One type of faith that saves you and I from hell. And it's a faith that believes and confesses to the core that I know I don't measure up. I know that I can't measure up. I know that I can't do enough good to measure up. And believes that God is who he says he is. He's the creator. He's your creator. Not only that, that Jesus Christ is his son and that he is your only savior. He's your savior. He died in your place. And by faith, he will bring you into paradise. You know, God has always been the definition of good. You know, God has always acted. He's always responded in a way that he's trying to lead you to eternal life. He hasn't done otherwise. The the reason you're still alive today if you haven't trusted in him, Romans says that he's extending his patience and his kindness towards you so that you can have the opportunity to make that decision. That certain result of death, he's extending that. He's he's being patient with you. 1 John 1, 8 and 9 says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's another verse, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of good works so that no one may boast. One more verse here. 1 John five thirteen. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, Jesus, so that you may know that you have eternal life. What's so important here? What's so important? What's the reason for this? What's so important right now, it's decided if you're going to heaven, heaven or hell before you die. You know, God, God isn't waiting over here at the end of your life, you know, and, and here you are, here you're coming, you die. And, and he, he sees you and he's like, all right, angels, like, give me the pro-con list. Give me the naughty and nice list. And bang, like heaven, bang, hell. That's not how God works. It's decided in this life. It says you can know if you have eternal life. It's decided in however many years he gives you. However many days he gives you. You don't know. It is by grace that anyone is saved from certain death through faith. This is not of your own doing. It's actually faith that understands that you cannot do it, but that only Jesus can. So what should you do if you haven't tonight? You should put your faith in Jesus alone. 
right? Jesus can pay for your sins. He can take care of your debt. He's already done it on the cross. All you have to do is trust in him. Jesus came to earth to convince you of that. As one of my favorite uh, preachers says, he says there's two ways to get your sins paid for. He says, you, you can pay for your sins eternally in heaven, or in hell, sorry. You can pay for your sins eternally in hell yourself. Or you can just put your faith in Jesus and let him pay for your sins. If this is you tonight, would you tell someone you came with, someone who invited you? If you got no one, we got people up here in the front. There will be someone here. I'll probably be right here. Someone over here. We would love to talk with you and to pray for you. Yeah, perhaps you're here tonight. You've already trusted in Jesus. You know, I want to take a quick second to to look at something else here and and challenge you, right? So here's a verse, Titus 2, 11 through 12. It says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us. This is the same thing. It's grace. It's training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in the present age. Band, you can come up. Nice. They're on it. So the same grace that forgives and saves a person, that same grace of God trains that person. You know, it changes them. It changes them into someone who is conformed to the image of of Jesus. And if you don't see that in your life, there might be an opportunity, there might be some evidence that maybe you don't have that saving grace. This is what the grace does. It says it right here. Not only does it save you, but it trains you to renounce the things of this world, the worldly passions. And and, and Jesus wants to use you, if if you trusted in him, he wants to use you to extend the same hope, the only hope for eternal life with other people. Point one, God is fair and trustworthy. Good people do go to heaven. Point two, no one is good before God. No one has met God's standards. And point three, forgiven people who are forgiven by Jesus' death on the cross to pay for their sins go to heaven. You know, I'm going to pray for us real quick, uh, and we're going to sing a few songs. Um, band's already up here, ready to go. So regardless, if you're a good singer or a musician, you got, God has designed us. And the Bible, Bible says God has made us in a way to sing to him in a worshipful way. He actually commands it. It's a command of God to sing to him in a worshipful way, in faith. So we have a few songs here, and just like this message in these songs, there's going to be some difficult truths, some things that are true about God and true about you that you, you may not even feel right now to be true. There's some things in these songs that you need to hear, and I, and I hope that as you sing them, it gets to your heart, because I think that's why God commanded it to us. It lets the word of Christ dwell in us richly when we sing to him. So I'm not telling you all that you have to sing. I can't make you sing. Maybe you've never sung in your life. Tonight could be your first night. Cool. Uh, but I am asking you, from one criminal sinner to another, do you not fear God? Man, do you not fear God? All of us deserve punishment and eternal wrath and hell because of our sin. But God made a way for you. God made a way for you and I, for all of us. It's the only way. You could have done nothing. Just like the criminal on the cross, you had nothing to offer to God, and you still don't but he loves you. 
it might be a little uncomfortable for you to sing to him. But we offer our voices and our praises to God because he uncomfortably died in your place. Let me pray. God, I, I thank you for tonight, God. There is there's no better truth. God, there's no better good news, God, that you've been fair to all people and you judge all people the same way. There's no favorites and you see our hearts and you see our minds. No one can fake it, God. And I pray right now, God, if there's anyone faking it in here tonight, God, show them, convince them that you see right through it because you do. And God, I pray if there's anyone in here tonight that even if they're not faking it, maybe they're, they're far from you. They're like the criminal on the cross. They haven't even considered you. God, I pray that they would come forward. God, that they would, they would talk to someone tonight. God, would you change us? Only by your power can we be saved. I pray all this in Jesus' name.